Welcome to the Blue Jeans Christian Weekly Podcast, where we will take your faith and the powerful Word of God and make them as practical and relevant to your job, home, and hobbies as your favorite pair of blue jeans are on a Saturday. We focus on Jesus, being like Him and glorifying Him, and aren't afraid to do so, because we've gotten past the world's myopic notion that Jesus and the Bible are irrelevant to issues and life today. I'm Kevin Brownlee. Thank you for listening. We are still here in Moab, having a wonderful time here. Uh, we've been riding our mountain bikes together after work each each day if we can. There's some fantastic trails around here. Yesterday I went riding on the world-famous Slick Rock Trail. Uh, we've done that a couple times together, but not all of it. We get tired real quick on that one. <laughs> That's a trail that will either make you a better biker or break you in the process. <laughs> make you want to give up. <laughs> but I took a ride by myself yesterday and went farther than I ever have before on that trail, which, by the way, is 50 years old. That trail has been a designated biking and motorcycle riding trail for 50 years. There's a YouTube video called the 50 Years Slick Rock Trail something that's really interesting, really fun to see. Uh, a guy built a front wheel and rear wheel drive kind of motorcycle tote goat looking thing using Maytag washer parts. <laughs> and that's what he would travel around on that trail with. It was really kind of cool to see. So I'm out there on the trail riding and and walking, there are several places where you have to walk your bike up or down if it's too steep. I did figure out that it's okay to go downhill. Um, I have a dropper seat on my bike, so you can get way back on those steep downhills, get your weight over the rear of the bike. But I stopped at a place called the Abyss, and it's an echo canyon, so you can shout real loud and it, it goes back to you, you know, three seconds or so later. And there was a guy in a Jeep that pulled up and was, was talking to me about that. And he started talking about how he used to ride that trail on a mountain bike until he got injured real bad. And about another friend of his that crashed on that same trail and was out of work for six months with his injuries and mentioned a couple other people. And, well, thanks, man. Here I am out here on a mountain bike. <laughs> and I got to thinking... Does God tell you things through other people that you probably need to hear? I think he does. At least I got that feeling then. So I rode just a little bit further until there's a there's a cave that I wanted to see. So I just considered that was my turnaround spot and turned around, headed back to the car, made it back just fine without injury. But I'm just wondering, did God have that guy tell me about all these injuries? Because God knew that I might be one of those statistics, <laughs> and I certainly didn't want to get injured. So I do think that God does that. I think that he sends people or speaks through people, and maybe this is one of those times. And maybe you are annoying people with certain things that you say or do or attitudes that you have. And the Bible talks about these annoying things that you should put away from you. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 lists them. It says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So I want to look at these things that we're supposed to be putting away from us, things that are annoying to others and are traits that Christians are not supposed to have. So I want to unpack each of these five. The first one is bitterness. I'm sure every one of you listening to this has an example of how bitterness has hurt others, maybe even to the point that it has harmed their health. I know I've got an example of bitterness. I wouldn't allow my wife to shop at Alta Beauty Supply in our town for several years because, well, I didn't get the steal for that project. I was a low bidder, but the contractor gave it to someone else and wouldn't return my calls for weeks until I noticed the steal on the job site. I called him up, which at that point he had answered my phone call, and it just didn't go well. And I was bitter and held that for quite a while. But don't worry, folks. Kindness and tender-hearted love and not being bitter toward my wife prevailed. And not only does she shop there often, but... I have actually walked into that store and bought some things for her as well. And boy, when, when a tough welder, builder like me walks into a store like that, it's amazing. Every, every girl that works there comes out of the woodwork to say, can I help you, sir? <laughs> Hebrews twelve fifteen says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it may become defiled. Bitterness causes trouble. It defiles you, and by it you fail to obtain the grace of God. Colossians 3.19 gives just two commands to husbands, to love your wife and to not be bitter toward her. Just like it takes two pieces of steel to make a welder, it takes those two to be a husband. Love and bitterness cannot exist together. So love your wife. And don't be bitter towards her. Why does God command those of husbands? Because bitterness is a relationship killer. Ladies value relationships a little more than men do. But that doesn't mean it's okay for us to have bitterness. It's why Paul mentions here that we need to get rid of it. Bitterness ruins anything. It's the opposite of sweet. It's harsh. And it's like acid. When I think of having a bitter stomach, it's usually because acid is involved <laughs> and I need to take Tums or something to knock down that acid. In fact, bitterness is harmful to yourself more than it is to others. It is. In fact, bitterness is like a poison you take yourself, hoping the other person will get hurt. Maybe someone wronged us in some way or somehow, and so we become bitter towards them. Well, they go on with their life, but we're bitter. It's like this acid in our stomach that's just harmful to us more than others. 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter, one of the things love does is not keep any record of wrongs. That's because wrongs someone has done to us can cause bitterness. It also harms relationships and undermines forgiveness. It's hard to forgive someone when you maintain this bitterness toward them over something they've done. 
If you love someone and they have repented of something they said or did, and you forgave them, forget it. Get it out of you. Take some tums if you need to. Get rid of that acid. (laughs) God does. When we ask forgiveness, he forgets. As far as the east is from the west, it says in Psalm 103.12, that's how far God puts away our transgressions. And he knew what he was talking about when he said that. If you start heading east, you will always go east. If you start heading west, you will always go west. But if you start heading north, at some point, you start heading south, right? As you cross the North Pole and start heading south again. So when he said, as far as the east is from the west, that is super far. We can't even imagine how far that is. And that's how far we should put away the things that people have done to us that cause us to be bitter. Bitterness has at its root self-centeredness and pride, which are the opposite of what Christians should have. It prevents forgiveness, prevents love, humility, peace, and joy. So bitterness needs to be put away from us. It's preventing joy. Bitterness starts inside us from one sort of a sin and comes out mostly through our words and sometimes our actions and maybe even our facial expressions. Sometimes bitterness smolders. It eats away at us and slowly grows until we do one of the next four. Wrath, anger, clamor, or evil speaking. The Apostle Paul lists bitterness first, and that's because it's the basis of and leads to those next four things. So the next one is wrath. Proverbs 11.23 says, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Wrath is expected of wicked people, but not Christians. Good is expected of Christians. When you were offended, which one do you choose? Wrath means indignation or vengeful anger. Indignation or vengeful anger. Indignation means rage or outrage, provoked by an unfair treatment, whether real or perceived. Vengeful means unforgiving and revenge or getting even. Kind of the opposite of turn the other cheek, as Jesus asked us to do in Matthew 5.39, isn't it? (laughs) So we're not to get even when offended. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord in Romans 12.19. He is allowed to have wrath. We're not. If that person offended you and you want vengeance, you want justice to be served, tell God, can you handle this for me? because I don't want it to eat me up from the inside out and affect my other relationships. So, God, can you please handle this? I know you will. Doing good is what we should do. And that's what's expected of Christians, not wrath. But if we just won't get rid of our bitterness and we're wanting to get revenge and get back at somebody, that makes us angry. And anger is the next one. Most anger is sinful. And on rare occasions, 
It isn't. The way to tell is sinful anger is rooted in pride. When Jesus was angry at the money changers in the temple, it was rooted in correcting an atrocity toward God by those people, not pride in Jesus. Anger at an injustice, anger at sin, that's okay. But we are to not let those consume us. In fact, God tells us to get over it. He even tells us when to get over it. In Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, he says at the dusk, at each day, at the end of each day, get over it so that the devil can't use it against us or others. See, the anger that we are to put off of us is rooted in pride, such as our feelings will get hurt or we didn't get our way. That type of anger just hurts people and it hurts ourselves. And it hurts people's view of Christ in us. The next one is clamor. We don't use that word much, but we do it. It is loud quarreling, shouting, or yelling. Yelling belittles others, and it puffs us up. And it causes harm to all who can hear it in one way or another. And when it puffs us up, what is that called? Pride. And pride's a sin. Clamor is usually something we have to apologize for later. Or it causes bitterness on someone else. (laughs) Disagreements that turn to shouting are to be put off of you like trash. Here's a good way to tell if clamor is something you have. When voices raise possibly as a result of the previous three, it is called clamoring, and that's when it's time to stop. When voices raise, it's like raising a red flag. So when you're having a conversation with someone and it's not going well, and you think you need to be yelling at them, that red flag goes up, it's time to stop and walk away and say something like, Listen, I'm going to get to saying something I shouldn't be saying, and I best just to leave now, and we can revisit this later when we're calmer, or something like that. Which brings us to the next one, evil speaking. Fairly straightforward here. Christians are never to engage in speaking evil of others. Your mom's saying is very helpful here. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Really, that's pretty good. (laughs) Evil means morally reprehensible and with the intent to degrade or cause harm. Slander is another word that the Bible uses sometimes. Titus 3.2 says, To speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all. Are there exceptions? I don't think so, because it says to all, showing all humility to all. Paul just got done talking a little bit about evil speaking in the previous couple of verses where he says in Ephesians 4.25, Put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Lying is considered evil speaking, so don't lie to people or about other people. The other one in verse 29, he says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, 
but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So it includes corrupt words. That's evil speaking. And then in the next chapter in Ephesians, in verse 4 of chapter 5, Paul talks again about evil speaking when he mentions foolish talking, which is silly talk that makes you sound stupid. (laughs) And Jesus said, Our yes is to be yes, and our no, no. Another way is what Paul calls coarse jesting. That's evil speaking. What that is is jokes that harm or degrade someone. If you get yourself in a situation where you're going to be wanting to tell a joke or talk about somebody that degrades someone, stop it. Put it off. Don't even go there. That's not something Christians are supposed to be doing. So just stop it, okay? Even if you think you have to, to fit in with the others, it's probably Satan wanting to take you down. So don't give him a little victory there. Another evil speaking is mentioned in Colossians 3, 8, and 9, which says, But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Blasphemy. Like taking God's name in vain. When I was a lot younger, the FCC did not allow the term God to be used when not referring to him. Now, evidently, they've changed that. Nearly every nightly TV program, someone is using the term God and not referring to him as some sort of a curse word or something. That's sad, folks, and that is evil speaking, so don't be doing that. Just don't. The Holy Spirit cringes inside of me whenever I hear somebody do that. Another one that it mentions in there is filthy language. I'm sure you'd know what that is. I don't need to expand that. But that is the type of wording Christians are not to be doing. Don't engage in that. In the steel fabrication business and in the oil fields, boy, every other word is a curse word. And sometimes a curse word or... The F-bomb is used to describe things. I even heard a guy use the F-bomb, and that's the only word he used to describe something that was broken. And he goes four times in a row. (laughs) Boy. But these guys know that I don't talk like that. Or when I'm out in the shop or even at a job site, and if they know me, it's interesting. They don't talk like that when I'm around. What's interesting about that is they can shut it off. They know it's not right. And we should know it's not right, too. We are above that. Remember the Christmas story? Remember when Ralphie said some words he shouldn't have? He got his mouth washed out with soap. I just vividly remember that image of him sitting there with a bar of soap shoved in his mouth. (laughs) Another thing that James talks about in James chapter 3 is how damaging our words can be. And that the tongue is like a spark that ignites a huge forest fire. So try not to use your tongue to harm someone, including yourself. James says that the tongue is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Wow. We have the ability with our tongue to say some things that can really cause damage to Christ, first and foremost and to ourselves and to others too. Since these five things are easy for us to do by our nature, 
It takes a conscious effort to not do them. We're given advice on how to in the next passage. Put away from you these things with all malice. Malice. Malice means the determined intent to cause harm or injury. Intend to cause harm and injury to these five things in your life. To make them leave you and not be part of you anymore. Jesus mentions cutting off your hand if you steal, or gouge out your eye if you keep looking at things that make you sin. What he's saying there is to take drastic measures if you need to keep from sinning, to keep from annoying people and annoying Jesus. Paul is saying something similar here when he uses that drastic, harsh word, with all malice. You have to have maturity, mental awareness, and determination to forcefully stop dead and put off all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. Practice putting these off, because practice will turn to habits, and habits result in character. You know, if you feel the need to get mad at somebody, or if you feel the need to tell a dirty joke, just stop it and see what happens. Just smile and walk away. Or like the penguins, smile and wave, boys, smile and wave. <laughs> if it helps, I like to use the word BRACE. It's an acronym. So brace yourself to not do these five. BRACE stands for bitterness, rage, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. Maybe you'll want to write that word brace at your desk somewhere, put it on a sticky note or stick it on the fridge or something, just to remind you. And you know what? If someone says, Dad, why did you write brace on there? It's a good opportunity to sit down and tell them why, that these things are not what we're supposed to be. Maybe write the word brace on your toolbox or your lunch cooler, just as a reminder. And if one of the guys in the job site says, what's that on there for? You can say that you're trying to work at not having bitterness, rage, anger, yelling, <laughs> clamor, and evil speaking. I said that one time to a very foul-mouthed guy. And he kind of looked down and said, yeah, I need to work on that too. And I felt respected from that guy. And you will too, if you work on these things. You will feel respected. Because folks want to be above the dirt. They don't like to be dirty. And this makes you dirty, these types of things, these five things. In our next episode, I'm going to talk about what to replace these five with. Paul talks about that. You're to put these off like old dirty clothes, and he tells you what new clean clothes to put on. So join me next time, and we'll talk about what to put on in place of these. Because they do kind of leave a hole. Sometimes you can't just walk away. Sometimes you can't smile and wave, boys. Sometimes you have to actually say or do something. So join me next time to find out what that is here on the Blue Jeans Christian Podcast. And can I also ask that you mention this podcast to someone else? Or a Christian friend or relative who could be helped by this content? Maybe they're gripped by brace. So in this episode, can you see what I mean in the intro? 
that the Bible is relevant to our daily life, that we can take some of the things that it says and apply it to our life, and it makes us better and better for the people around us, too, just like a Blue Jeans Christian is supposed to be. And remember, you can contact me through my website at bluejeanschristian.com. Thanks, folks. See you later.